found in Luke 17, 1 through 10. I'll be reading it out of the NIV. So again, if you want to follow along, that's Luke 17, 1 through 10. And this is what the word of the Lord, there we go, says. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after their sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Good things happening. You know, Dan, can you mute the, uh, or somebody back there, can you mute the uh, pulpit mic? I'm making a lot of noise up here. All right. So we had an interesting week this week. We had uh, the contract for the city come through, and that is off to get approval. We are hiring 30 people for our, our homeless shelter. Praise the Lord. Jerry Ann's been working hard on that. And then this upcoming week is backpacks for kids. So this is, praise the Lord. And uh, Tarnas, I, I put aside a bunch of these basketball backpacks came in with a little basketball in the back. I put them in your office. So I uh, figured you'd know who the right kids to get that to. Yeah. All right. Some good, uh, some great stuff. Yesterday we were out of camp. We had a little uh, um, yard sale getting rid of stuff. And they did fairly well. I think they made uh, $1,500. We're moving those old canoes on. The camp staff worked hard yesterday. Um, but I sinned yesterday. I had a hot dog. <laughs> with a bun. And to make it worse, I had two. Yeah, it was bad. It was very bad. And so this morning, the scale reflected my two hot dogs. So uh, we're talking about sin this morning. I am the chief sinner of all with my two hot dogs. Anyway, I was preparing for this scripture this week. I was, you know, I, I tend to read it and then read it again. And let me read the scripture for the next couple weeks and I'm not even here. But, uh, and I wonder about, as I read this scripture, um, you know, how many times have I personally led somebody else astray? How many times have I personally led someone else astray? or led them away from a closer walk with the Lord? How many times have I refused to forgive a brother or sister? I'm sure that I'm the only one in here that's ever done that. Uh, how many times have I failed to walk in faith? Right? We all, you know, somebody has something going on, we say, oh, I'll pray for you. And yet when we're doing it with our own stuff, we're like, uh, we're, we don't know what to do. You know, we're just not walking in faith. How many times have I done work for the Lord, and expecting to see an attaboy. Don't we love attaboys? We love those. 
I mean, we tell people we don't, but we really do. We really, if someone comes up and says, what a great job. We, world, the world wouldn't spin without you. Uh, but yet, um, as if I can make myself worthy of God's love or forgiveness. You know, in one of the commentaries I read this week, it referred to the Westminster Confession. Westminster Confession. Now that document is used to explain the Presbyterian denomination's belief structure, and, and for us, we have our articles of faith listed in our articles of war, or soldier's covenant, and uh, our doctrines of the faith. But in the Westminster um, uh, Confession, and by the way, uh, all those things, you, you got this giant book here, God's Word, and we believe it. But uh, doctrines and the Westminster Confession of Faith and come up with whatever the denomination is, whatever they're calling it, it's really man's feeble attempt to take the indefinable God and define him into a bunch of little statements. So it's impossible. It's never 100% something we can say, yep, that's that hits a nail on the head. Gets close, but never be 100% accurate. But in their first question, in the Westminster um, uh, Confession of Faith, um, it's this. What is the chief aim of man? What is the chief aim of man? You know, for some people, it's, I want to die with the most toys. Right? I want to die with the most toys. I want everything this life has to offer. I want to have a lovely family. I want to get this position at work. I want to be this guy. For the social media folks, um, you ever notice that there's no old social media people? You ever notice that? Just seems like, you know, I read the Daily Mail, and uh, again, that's leftists, and I read Fox News, which is center of right, or not center of right, it's right of right, or whatever sometimes, but, uh, but these social people and their and, uh, YouTube stars or TikTok stars, they're all 18 to 23. Boy, they're on top of their game. For them, what is the chief end of man? To be famous. To be famous. Uh, for other people these days, it's social justice. We're not getting our way, so we're going to burn the town down. For some people, they're like totally into that. They're totally into that. And for them, that's their religion. That's their religion. For others, it might be, I'm going to win the world for Jesus. I'm going to win the world for Jesus. Do you notice what the first part of that phrase is? Um, I'm going to do that. So I love how they answer this question. What is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Oh, what a relief. So who's it about? It's about God. I'm going to enjoy him, right? I'm going to enjoy him forever. It's to glorify God with my life. Praise the Lord. It's not about me, about my achievements, lack of achievements, or anything else. You know, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem in this part of the story for the last time. He's discipling his team who have no idea, really, truthfully, that he's going to be departing from them soon. Uh, 
When, when uh, Jenny and I received the call to go to officer training, my boss had scheduled me to go install um, a fiber optic ring in Shanghai, which was new back then, back in the day. And uh, I knew we were going to training. And so I had this other guy who worked for me that everywhere I went, everything I did, I was constantly telling him, oh, hey, you're going to need to know this because this is what's going on. And he constantly would be saying, wait a second, Ken, you're, you're the one going to China. And I said, no, well, you never know. You might wind up going there. And, uh, but I was training him the whole time. He had no idea I was heading off to training college. Um, so it was kind of interesting when I left, and he was like, ah, that's why you kept telling me that. So uh, Jesus is taking these guys, they're traveling on the road, he's discipling them on how to succeed in their faith once he's gone. And what he's teaching them is, is real, is real. And uh, as you read through this passage of scripture, you realize he is being gut honest with these guys. Um, he's given the truth of a practical walk with God. So as we read this and look at this this morning, look at it as a prescription from Jesus to achieve man's chief end, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen. All right, first idea, fall, right? Fall. The Bible starts with uh, in the pristine environment and God creates the heavens and the earth. In chapter 2, he... Uh, he makes man, and chapter 3, man completely screws the whole thing up. Until we get to the last two chapters of God's word, where man is restored and man is back in heaven. But everything in between is the love story of God trying to get man's attention and his redemption plan. So here we have the fall, and Jesus starts there in Luke chapter 17, 1 and 2. I love this. You know, I can't tell you until I've read this scripture in my life, and it wasn't until this week a little light came on, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what he's saying. Jesus said to his disciples, the things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Man, what a realist, right? Things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Meaning, that's the world we live in. That's how life goes. It's not a bunch of uh, roses and everything else bed of roses, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. You can't hide away in a cave. You can't hide away in your house. You can't build a wall around yourself and pretend I'm not going to have any friends or anybody, know anybody. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm not going to buy anything bought or sold. Wherever that movie goes. <laughs> it's very 80s for me. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. I love this picture because it's a millstone and some guy's been thrown into the sea. A millstone is a stone, it's a very huge stone, and they would it'd be tied to a donkey and that little thing in the center would have a stick in it and would go around in a circle and they would crush uh, wheat to make it uh, flour or whatever else, corn to turn it into cornmeal. But it's a very large stone, and it's very heavy. You could not pick that up. Arnold Schwarzenegger could not pick that up. Very heavy stone. Notice here, Jesus is stating the obvious. Temptation's going to happen, and thus sin's going to happen. But that's not the main idea here. What the point is that Christians, uh, as believers, are not to cause someone else to sin. Jesus here is not just referring to little kids. He's referring also to 
the publicans in chapter 15. Remember, they were new believers, new people in the faith. So we're not to cause those people to sin. And you know, Christians, we do that all the time. We do it all the time. But how does that happen? Uh, when we participate in activities that we know are wrong, and we try to rationalize them to younger believers. I've shared this story lots of times before, but you know, I didn't become a soldier for the longest time because I knew I couldn't live that life. And I used to go to the 321 Club in, in Santa Monica when I worked at camp, and uh, I'd see other soldiers from other Salvation Armies there doing worse things than I was even thinking. I felt guilty just walking in the place, and I saw these guys doing things they shouldn't have been doing. I was like, unless I could live by that, I'm not going to sign that. You know, working as a camp as a teen, I had two friends, uh, both of which are not walking with the Lord today. And both attended corps, and both were soldiers, and I was not. One was having a sexually active relationship with his uh, girlfriend and uh, leading the Bible study at camp. The other was bringing alcohol to camp on some weekends, and another person who worked at camp with me was also having sexual relations with an older staff person. This was the 80s, but it could be today. From hearing this, you might be tempted to think, these guys should have a millstone around their neck and cast off into the sea. Poor Ken, surrounded by those evil people. But I was not a righteous man. When I was a young believer in the group, I may have been the newest believer in that group, but I was no saint in that group. And I am sure I caused other people to stumble in their own faith by not being stronger in my faith. I struggled sometimes to put together what I'd hear in Bible study, and I'd see these leaders be doing. I struggled as I watched lay leaders tell me something, or hear them say something on a Sunday morning in Santa Monica, or Tustin Ranch, no, it wasn't Santa Ana back then, and, uh, or Torrance, and then what I'd see them doing later. There are actions I participated in that I didn't bring glory to God either. either. It reminded me to own my own stuff, giving grace for others from the grace I myself have received. And this is where Jesus is taking us right here, being truthful about your own stuff. Sin and temptation are real, but we have the power to overcome those, those sins and temptations. And we need to realize that our own actions can cause other people to stumble. They can take other people down, other people down. But God doesn't leave us here. You know that? Hallelujah. God didn't stop at verse 2. Can you imagine if we all stopped at verse 2? We'd all have giant millstones around our neck in the sea. But he doesn't stop here, praise the Lord. Verse 3 and 4. Forgive. So we know sin's real. Duh. We also know that people around us fail. Duh. Duh. So the question is, and the real great question is, uh, um, is a reminder, you know, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Sin is public and it hurts everyone. You know, this uh, past week, uh, I can't remember the name of the university, but it's a, it's a Christian university, and it's, it's, I think it's Liberty. You know, the, um, I think Falwell, is that his last name? Yeah. He uh, took over for his dad. And uh, there's a picture circulating around with him with a young lady with a bare midriff, and her pants seem to be unbuttoned. And he's also with 
standing next to her, older man, by the way, probably looks about 20 years older, her senior, standing next to her with his bare midriff and his pants unbuttoned. You can see his underwear. Now, he is uh, going to lose his position, and rightfully so. But how many, how many people does that picture cause to stumble? How many young people see that picture going, oh my gosh, even the guy we've held up to say, this is our spiritual leader, this is the guy, the president of our university, the, the university that is super conservative and telling us that we need to live our lives this way, and here is the president of this university with that picture. Jesus says it's better for a person who causes another to stumble to have a great stone placed around their neck and cast into the sea. And if you read some of the things about this man, that's basically what people are saying. So how do we deal with that? So Jesus says, so watch, so watch yourself. So how, what's the key? So watch yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Notice it's conditional. If you rebuke your brother, you tell him, hey, you're doing this wrong, and his brother says, I, I didn't do that. But he said, repent, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. When you work with people in addiction, they are pretty amazing. Sometimes they are, they are super bent that I'm going to turn my life around this time. And they go right outside the door and they fail again. And they come right back in the door. And we just want to wrap our arms around them and say, we love you. We forgive you. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Watch ourselves. Notice we can't do the second item if we're not watchful ourselves. Can you imagine my friend telling me to stay pure till marriage while he was sleeping with his girlfriend? Which, by the way, was one of his Bible studies until I confronted him on sleeping with his girlfriend. Huh. However, another person who worked at camp... Uh, did speak into my life. Her name was Jan, and I share lots of stories about Jan, but Jan was just an absolute saint. And if she wasn't, don't tell me otherwise. But, uh, you know, she would confront me on my own failings in a nice way. You know, Jan made these ranger cookies, which I know you guys know about. And uh, who could say no to Jan's ranger cookies? She'd sit down, and you knew you might be in trouble if Jan was serving you ranger cookies. Your brain is going through all the things. What did Jan find out that we did now? But she would serve us ranger cookies, and she was just a saint of a woman. Perfect, I have no idea, but I do know that she was a godly woman. I, I saw Jesus in her. And she loved me. Here's what Jesus is saying. Watch that your witness is not compromised. And when you see sin in the family of God, confront it. Deal with it. And move forward. That's how we become holy. Keeping a clean slate before the Lord. You see, Scripture tells us as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what we're called to do. For which the mature believer asks forgiveness, and that's the main idea. Repentant hearts, forgiveness, and growth. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And it's hard. Because people can be absolutely awful. Ourselves included. Ourselves included. I want to tell you that uh, we were praying to get to keep the cadets this week. We wrote a, a wonderful proposal for an idea to ask them to send that they be allowed to stay. Uh, it got immediate traction. I was quite surprised. And, uh, you know, it got once bounced around the halls of THQ and DHQ and wherever else those kinds of things bounce around. And uh, in the end, they said, yeah, it's a great idea. However, our DHQ decided that uh, they had a better idea, which is fine. That's their job. 
and uh, they decided to put the our cadets, the cadets we just had, at Tacoma. Now, I will tell you, my first initial reaction to that was not, hooray! <laughs> I didn't jump up for joy on Friday morning going, wow, praise the Lord, thank you for doing that. My selfish response was, how dare they? I came up with that idea. What's wrong with those people? That was my first response. Because that's the human response. The godly response says, you know what? I trust you, you're going to make the right decision. Forgive me for having a bad attitude about that. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. But people, you know, we can be misquoted. Uh, people will try to do harm to you. They'll lie about you. They cheat, you gossip. They're mean, they're spiteful. And that's from Christians. Jesus says, forgive them and keep forgiving. Is it hard? You betcha. You betcha it's hard. So the disciples hear that, and their response is pretty amazing. And this response is, um, oh, by the way, I put that up there. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Oh, you had to bring that up. He forgave us. We didn't deserve it. So when we try to hold back forgiveness from somebody else who's seeking forgiveness, wow. So what do we do? So faith, uh, verses 5 and 6. In Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. You know, after hearing what Jesus just said, they were like, well, I, I can't do that. That seems too hard. Increase our faith. Be careful what you ask for. If you pray for patience, God's going to give it to you. If you pray for faith, God's going to give you opportunities to increase your faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, uh, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Wow, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? The response to the request given uh, us by the uh, faithfuls is pretty amazing. Their faith was small. Their faith was small. Yet even in the smallness of their faith, God could use it and use them mightily. Um, they did not have to need to have great faith. They just needed to have faith. Need to have faith. You know, there, that seed right there is the mustard seed. When I was in college, I took a botany class, and uh, the instructor tried to use that seed to prove that God didn't exist. He said, that is actually not the smallest seed in the world, and he showed us the smallest seed, and then he said, see, God doesn't exist because he should have known that there was a smaller seed. Of course, the seed he brings up wasn't discovered till the 1960s. People be ridiculous sometimes, I don't know. I'm a literal thinker, I'm a visual thinker, and so I think of that seed and I look at that and I think, wow, that goes into a giant tree. And God said, if I have faith that small, I can move mountains. If I have faith that small, I can trees into the sea. And God was saying, with the faith you have, you can do what I'm asking you right here. A reminder that Nothing with God is impossible. Nothing. It's a reminder that of what we should be uh, doing, confronting our brother, helping our brothers move forward. The aim is restoration, not destruction. That's the aim here. It's restoration, not destruction. We want to see all, God desires all men to be saved. God desires all of us to move forward. God desires us to be holy people living holy lives. Yet when folks hurt us, what do we want to do? I'm going to hurt them back. 
I'm going to get them, right? That's what we want to do. We want to write them a 73-page email for why the cadet should have been sent here. I didn't send it. No, I'm kidding. I didn't write that. We want to earn them back. The seed of destruction is huge, and the seed of faith is small. Jesus says, have faith like the smallest seed, and you can overcome yourself. That's what he's saying. You can overcome yourself. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, sometimes I pray, Lord, protect me from myself. Amen? Protect me from myself. I want to do the right things to glorify God. Which leads us to our final idea, which is faithfulness. Faithful. Verses 17, 7 to 10. Now, now here, if you read this, I want you to notice here, um, the danger of arrogance can be found in A great danger of arrogance is found in here. And you have to choose between being an arrogant or the faithful servant. Look at Jesus' words here. Suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. I want you to notice something here and see if you can appreciate it. And I, I, I feel like I want to read this one more time. One more time. Suppose one of you had a servant, it's a key word there, plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper and get, your, and, uh, and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he, say, would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. What's key to remember here is, we're not equal to God. We are not equal. It's not that, I know we sing those songs, Jesus is our friend. He's our friend and savior, yes. But that doesn't make us equal to God. It doesn't make us equal. We have no claim on the master. We have none. We are always in debt for him. It's perspective for life. We were born in sin. We continue to sin. Uh, we hold grudges against people and we're not supposed to. And we sin against others. But God says, forgive others as I forgive. God does not give us an extra attaboy for doing what's required. Does that make sense? You did what you were supposed to do. God doesn't say, oh, you're much more holier than this guy over here. I'm going to lift you up on a higher pedestal. Come sit next to me. What we're called to do is to do the work the Lord has allotted us to do, not because it makes us worthy. This is key here. Our work for the Lord, our forgiveness of others, our living holy lives, our being more perfect than this guy, than that girl, doesn't matter. We're not more holy from that, because holiness comes from the Lord. We're all washed in the same blood. We're called to do the work the Lord has allotted us. Our greatest righteousness is still filthy rags to the Lord. It's only through our repentance, and that's key, our belief in the blood of Jesus to wash us, 
free from sin, the penalty from sin, and the power of the Holy Spirit to equip and direct us that we can even come into his presence. He remains God our Father, and we remain his people. Our actions of righteous living and faithfully forgiving others does not place us on equal terms. Our best work is still doing what is required to be faithful servant to the King of Kings. Jesus is reminding his disciples that we are servants of the King. Don't forget your position and to be faithful, to be faithful. Jesus reminded disciples that we are servants of the King. Our capacity to forgive is as Jesus forgives others. When we say, I'm not, I'll forgive you, I'll forgive you, what we're saying is we're equal to the King, and yet the King is the one that gave forgiveness to everyone. When we forgive, you will uh, sometimes suffer spiritually and physically, and that's just the way things go. But God doesn't call us to be uh, used by others, right? I remember this one time I was talking to uh, Dusty Hill, he's a commissioner now, and uh, I, were, I was trying to use him as an illustration, I said, uh, Dusty, can't, I think it was in here, I said, uh, if I ask you for, for your wallet, would you give it to me? Yeah. I said, uh, if I take $5 out of your, your wallet, can I do that? No. And then I said, I'm not going to pay you back. And then I asked you again later, can I have your wallet again? What's Dusty going to say? No. That's wisdom. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's different. Forgiveness. Forgive, you want to continue to forgive others, but doesn't mean you become a walking mat for somebody else. When you forgive, you will suffer spiritually and physically um, because people will still dislike you. Um, and they'll hold grudges. That's just the way things go. But also forgiveness is about yourself. Sometimes we've got to forgive ourselves, right? So most of the time, our spiritual battles are with the forgiveness for, for us. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, uh, love your neighbor as who? As ourselves. Sometimes we find it easier to love the neighbor than it is to love ourselves. Forgiveness is also for ourselves. Carl Jung, a psychiatrist, said the greatest enemy to forgive is ourselves. He said this, What is I should discover that the most impudent of all defenders, the worst of all offenders, the very enemy itself, these are within me, I am the enemy who must be loved. Loving ourselves is sometimes exceptionally hard. So forgiveness is not just for others, it's also for ourselves. With forgiveness comes a greater understanding of the forgiveness we ourselves receive from Christ. You know the next slide? Oh, no. There you go. I love this picture, which is going to be very hard to see, but um, uh, this is a picture of the Bema Seat of Christ. So the, the believer's going forward, and uh, if you don't know, there are certain crowns you, you earn. The Bible talks about earning these crowns, and uh, it would be a mistake to think it's a crown of life, and it's a bunch of different it's a mistake to think that we're going to walk around heaven with these things on our head and say, "Woo! I got three crowns. How many you got? Right? I got 27 crowns, jewels in this crown. Sorry, brother, you only have two. Right? But you know what happens? It talks about the whole idea that we lay them down at the foot of Jesus. Lay them down. And here's the, here's the faithful servant. He's at the feet of Jesus. He's laid them down. Laid them down. So to wrap up, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem for the last time. He's discipling his team on how to succeed. And you, you're expecting something else, right? Do, you know, uh, Jesus' 
three top steps to succeed as a disciple, right? If he was going to write a book, he was Rick Warren, it'd be the 10 steps to be a better believer, to be a better disciple for Jesus, right? So, but no, he's, he's being honest with them. He's discipling his team. He's continuing to teach them, preparing for his departure, and he's telling them the truth of a practical walk with God. Sin and temptation are always going to be there. That's just the way it is. But don't be the guy, don't be the lady that causes other people to sin, or you'll suffer the consequences. So learn to forgive, and also forgive yourself. Seek, ask for faith, and realize that with a little bit of faith, God can do mighty things. God can do mighty things. Which is also a reminder that we serve a risen Savior and King. He owes us nothing, but we owe him everything. So use these tools to be a profitable servant of God. Lead others in discipleship and growth. Let them see the example of peace, love, and joy in your spirit of forgiveness. When you need a greater helping of faith, seek it and ask for it, and it'll be given to you. Just some great stuff. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the Christian faith right there. When you run into those folks that are just angry people, they're mad about something, always mad about something. Think about that. What is our chief aim of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the reality of being a believer. That's the reality of faith. That's the reality of having a heart sold out for Christ. That's the reality. This morning, if you've got something going on in your life, you just need some prayer, um, again, as, as uh, Ian has said, this place, prayer is open for you. We're going to play a song, I can't remember which one, Come Home, I think it's song number 85. Uh, right now, uh, you know, that's what Jesus is saying all to us all the time, right? Come home, come home. You know, sin separates us. Sin separates us from, from uh, God. Anger separates us from God. Uh, a lot of things separate us from God. And Je Jesus is the whole time saying, hey, come home. This is your home. This is, I, I want you back. I want to wrap my arms around you and just love on you. And uh, that's what Jesus calls out for us. So if you've got something before the Lord you need to deal with, then deal with that. And, and, uh, and live in the peace that knowing, hey, I'm forgiven. Praise the Lord. Uh, so we're going to we're going to sing the chorus one more time, and then I'll close in prayer. And I, again, just, Lord, that is your call. Thank you, Lord, for that. And I, Lord, I thank you for putting the people in my life that uh, showed me just a great um, example of your love, great example, living example of forgiveness and, uh, and faithfulness, Lord. And I, and I thank you for the folks that are here that have got those same examples, Lord. And I just pray for each of us, Lord, as we continue to work out our faith and fear and trembling, Lord, as we continue to work out what it means to be uh, to glorify you and to be a, a just sold out, full on believer for you, Lord. That uh, um, that we we learn to uh, to live lives that are holy, Lord. So we don't cause people to go, go astray, Lord. That we learn to forgive others, Lord, with the same forgiveness that you so freely give to us, Lord. Lord, that we learn that uh, to use the faith that we already have, Lord. To use the gifts you've already given us, Lord. You've already equipped us. And for battle, Lord, and, and uh, sometimes we just want to keep asking for more and more and more, and 
without ever using what we have, Lord Jesus. So thank you for faithfully giving us what we have already, and Lord, let us use it for your glory. And finally, Lord, we do pray that uh, to be the faithful servant there, Lord, um, not looking for an attaboy, Lord, but to do our duty, to do our, our, our diligence, Lord, to be faithful in what you've given us, Lord, so that we might, um, again, Lord, seek to win the world for Christ, Lord, for you. Lord, but do it under your power and your glory and for you, not for us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, a lot of things going on this week, Lord, and we, uh, we just thank you for your, your providence there, Lord, and uh, we know everything will be great in accordance with your will. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.